Changing healthcare starts with a dream. Better care, smarter care, and healthier people. Listen weekly as Dr. Gregory Goodman interviews today's most innovative MDs as they transform healthcare and share their journey from white coat to business suit, highlighting lessons learned and golden prescriptions for your success. Join us today and get your doctor-recommended dose of MD Innovation. So this is Dr. Greg Goodman on The Modern MD. I'm really excited today. We've got Dr. Jean Nemi, who's the CEO and co-founder of Touch Surgery, a mobile surgical stimulation app that allows surgeons to learn and release surgical procedures. Touch Surgery's goal is to improve accessibility to the best surgical education for surgeons and patients via 3D stimulation. Jean has an honors degree in surgical stimulation and technology from Imperial College London. Jean, it's an honor to have you on The Modern MD. I'm really excited to share your journey. Thank you very much for having me, man. It's, uh, it's really exciting to, be able to talk to you. So Jean, tell us a little bit more about you personally in your journey as a physician entrepreneur. I guess I often start this by, by starting really with my uh, medical school interview and how I nearly did not get into medicine. It's quite a funny story, but you know, we all prepare for our medical school exams and our medical school interviews. And there's that you know, famous question about, you know, why do you want to be a doctor? And so uh, that question came up for me, cliche, but true. And they were like, you know, why do you want to be a doctor? I guess I prepared for this day in, day out. I was like, you know, I want to be a doctor because, you know, academically it's, it allows me to, you know, have, be in the interface between science and practical applications and really, you know, be involved in patient care. All of that preparation out of the window, I went blank. And I was like, I want to be a doctor because I want to be the best doctor ever. And uh, because I think it could be fun. So you can imagine the face of my interviewer who kind of was like, went, you know, was, was jovial and then went gray in the face up until then. And he kind of looked at me and said, fun. And I was like, yeah. And it was, <laughs> it was quite lucky that I had in the, in the room someone who actually did enjoy being a physician and did enjoy you know, the problem solving and, you know, the, the being interested in pathology and being interested in the patient part of it, which is to all of us who are, you know, the Sherlock Holmes in nature is fun. And so I guess kind of getting into medical school for me, I was really into problem solving. And the other thing I was really into, I was that kid, the one that, you know, your mo- the, the one that whose mother had to keep coming into the room and saying, can you turn off your uh, Nintendo? Can you turn off your Sega? What are you doing up at 4 a.m.? Still playing Call of Duty? You think you're going to be a doctor? You need to put your PlayStation away. So I was that kid. And throughout medical school, I was, you know, really into games, really into video games, really into technology. I would, you know, I would want every gadget. You know, I'd uh, obsessively queue to try and get, you know, my hands on the uh, Nintendo 64 at the time, which was awesome. And so, you know, being at medical school, but being really interested in technology and being really interested in gaming, back in, back in those early stages, I kind of thought to myself as I was writing lots of notes, why can't medicine and, and surgery be delivered to us in a way which is much more fun, much more enjoyable? I mean, you, you've been there, Greg. Do you remember learning from those lists, those lists and lists that you have to create? And, you know, people would say the symptoms of this are X, 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 X. And, you know, when, when, when I was kind of studying, I, I, the entire time, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd put you know, little notes in different places just so I can entertain myself by finding where the symptoms were and I had them on the page. And so I guess, you know, really, really being interested in technology, really being interested in, in the way that we absorb knowledge and the way that we consume it 
and the way that it becomes embedded into our, in our, into our brain. I found highlighting my notes. Did you highlight your notes, uh, Greg? I'm not a highlighter, actually, but I'm, but, I'm a, but I'm a note writer taker on the side. Yeah, so I'm, I'm one of those guys. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but like color and trying to match things, and it just kind of seems to embed things in my memory much more. And I guess to a certain extent, you know, uh, as a medical student, I was really kind of interested in what I was learning, interested in the uh, exciting thing about, you know, going and seeing a patient and trying to use all of those bits of knowledge to try and figure out what's wrong. Because I thought that, you know, solving a problem was, was really fun. And at the same time, you know, I was obsessed with every video console that, that was released. Medical school is a long time. Uh, and then we eventually graduate. And day one of being a doctor, uh, I don't know what your day was like, but I remember mine. It was the scariest experience ever. And one of the first things I had to do was go and take blood from a patient. I'd done this on a, on a, on a mannequin like once or twice. To be honest with you, I was petrified. So I went to see this patient and I was like, look, um, I'm here, I'm a doctor, you know, you, you've got your white coat on, you feel like a hero. I'm gonna take a blood test. And this blood test, you know, will obviously get you some results so we can help save your life. Uh, <laughs> being very naive on your day one as of the job. And eventually I took some, some blood from this, from this gentleman and I ended up doing something really silly, but um, uh, stabbing my, my own finger and getting a needle stick. <laughs> Yeah, day one. And uh, it turned out that this patient had multiple diseases, viral diseases in their, in their blood that I did not want to have. So there was me, day one of my medical career, in accident and emergency, sitting there, having put a, a massive needle onto my finger full of blood from a patient who had every disease possible, and um, waiting to get uh, a treatment, which was essentially the worst treatment ever, to prevent me from getting all these awful diseases, uh, treatment that could, you know, make me lose my hair and other things. And so kind of, you know, sitting there thinking to myself, I've trained all of these years and yet the very procedure that I needed to do, that very basic healthcare procedure, which was something that was an interface between me and a patient where I would take some blood and use that blood to sample. I didn't really know how to do it safely and I made a mistake. And that, made, that mistake in this setting cost me me and, and, and was 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 awful for me but you know it could have you know easily have been have been not not so great for the patient and so i guess you develop your career and then you know as you as you start training you you become a, another another person in that in that hospital where you know your routine is your routine you wake up you have a coffee you're in at a certain hour you're doing ward rounds and you start forgetting about all of those things that you start you used to think about and started to focus really on the job and intermittently within my training, you know, I continue to really start thinking about this learning, about technology, about how can we take this procedural-based knowledge and, and really map it out, and how can we do that in an easy way. And I guess you know, that was really kind of, for me, a journey into medicine from, from being excited about technology, from being excited about learning, to then discovering that we make mistakes and that procedural and that exchange of healthcare sometimes isn't what we are best prepared for. And then training to be a surgeon was, was hard, was really hard. And as I'm sure you can imagine, you know, you, you, we all learn to operate by observing. And the old adage was, you know, see one, then do one, then teach one. You know, I remember going home and, uh, you know, you have that conversation with your parents. So, you know, how was your day at work? It was really good. What have you been doing today? I've been learning to operate. Okay, so do you guys learn to operate on um, cadavers? And I turned around to my parents, I was like, cadavers? No, we learn to operate on people. It was only, you know, telling 
people that you know, you know, several times this, and them saying, well, hang on, you don't, you know, you don't really have any other tool to, to go through operations and simulate and test yourself. And, you know, there's no way to know that you're ready. And how do you know you're ready? I go, well, you're ready when you can pick up the blade. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been suturing chicken all day long at home. So I guess I'm ready. And, you know, there's a saying in medicine, see one, do one, teach one, to which everybody was just in generally horrified. You, you see one, then you do one, and then you teach one. How is that possible? Surgery? And so I guess, you know, being within healthcare, you start to experience the real problem. And that was a problem that really kind of really sunk, sunk into me. And I often reflect on this problem and think back to that time, like the interview, when I was like, you know, I want to be a doctor because I want to be the best doctor and because it's fun. And I guess all of us that train in healthcare want to be the best. We want to deliver the best care for patients. You know, when people ask who's the best doctor, you kind of want people to say, yeah, it's me. But then why, why isn't everyone just the best doctor? Why isn't everyone the best surgeon? Why is there such variability? You know, surely this is a process that's been done many, many times. Surely there needs to be a better way to you know, deliver this process to trainees and to surgeons so that they're able to better you know, deliver that fundamental exchange of procedure between patient and physician. And I guess that was kind of a journey for me of learning, of reflecting, of wanting to be better, being interested in technology from a very early age that you know, really kind of started to change my direction. I love that, Sean. It's such an incredible journey. It sounds like combining all your passions from gaming, some of your own personal you know, stories and, and journey through kind of training that really inspired touch surgery. That's, uh, that's really incredible. So we love to start the Modern MD off with the success quote. Do you have a quote that's important to you or something that you live by? I've been thinking of a quote, uh, and I guess uh, <laughs> this is a quote that I saw in New York where touch surgery really started, to be honest. You know, touch surgery began in conceptual ways in, in the UK and in London, but it really got its wings in New York. And uh, my colleague and my co-founder, and I, Andre, we were, we were walking along one of those those roads in downtown, just off um, kind of Spring Street. And uh, we came across a piece of graffiti. At the time, we were both saying to ourselves, hey, dude, I mean, we are over our head here. Like business models, spreadsheets, sales, product, uh, hiring people. Uh, how are we going to do any of this? Why don't we just go back and be doctors? Because, you know, being a doctor is something that we know what we do, right? You go, you see a patient, you evaluate them, you, you know. This, we're just over our head we kind of looked behind us and uh, we saw this piece of graffiti behind one of these barbed wires, right? There's a bit of barbed wire. It said, uh, you are a prisoner of your own beliefs. And I guess to anyone who's listening to this, for me and Andre at that point, it was like, we all form fundamental beliefs about what we can do, right? I can jump this high or I can run this fast or I can do this or I am born to be this person or I have, you know, worked my life to be this person. And sometimes, you know, you do something and you see something, you realize something and opportunity hits you in the face. Believe it or not, you've prepared yourself for that opportunity, but it's that one thing that stops you from doing it, which is this belief that you just can't do it. And I guess if you can overcome that imprisonment, that fundamental, you know, I can, then, you know, you can do anything. And I guess for us, that was a really powerful uh, and we, we've got a photo of this, uh, and it's, it, lives, it lives in Touch Surgery Lab for all of the people that come and come and work at Touch Surgery Labs. And you know, we really want to empower everyone that works with us to not be constrained by what they believe is possible. That's incredibly powerful, and and the timing of that in New York City is just incredible. What's such a cool quote, and I think you know, oftentimes 
you know, it really is the power of our beliefs that that kind of set our course. So thanks for sharing. So I want to transition from this concept that I have called the white coat to business suit. And I know, you, you know, you went from kind of operating to, to now pretty much full time at touch surgery. And I just want to hear kind of your mindset in, in that transition from going from practicing physician uh, to entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, so firstly, we went kind of from white coat scrubs to sneakers and jeans and t-shirts. And I never want to be in a suit unless I have to be. Where uh, we have uh, this thing in the, in the lab right now where everyone has the most colorful trainers you can imagine. So mine are like luminous, you know, that highlighted color that I used to use. And almost everyone has kind of like really bright trainers. And I guess it kind of is a metaphor from going from a rigid existence to a very liberal existence where you're thinking to yourself, what do I have to do today? Or what should I focus on? You know, healthcare and, and medicine is a great place because it gives you great security and you've got a course and it's defined and you know what you have to do and you know the milestones and you know what you have to achieve and you know what you have to, you know, how many patients you have to see and there's sometimes more and, and you understand that workload. And over time you build routine and you, you kind of get into a balance and you, you kind of can manage it. You step out and all of a sudden you just, I don't have a defined schedule now. I have to define my own goals. I have to define my own mind. Hang on, I've just employed 45 people I need to know what they all need to do. Really a transition from kind of having a defined role to having a, an undefined role, having kind of relatively defined objectives to having less defined objectives and objectives that you define. And it's, it's to a certain extent liberating. And I know that a lot of physicians who don't necessarily make the full transition but have that view, have that, you know, have that, I know that I'm a physician, I know what I have to do in the hospital, I know how to, how to treat people, but at the same time I've got this creativity in me that liberates me, that allows me to kind of dream of devices, dream of other treatments, dream of doing a new procedure, of doing a new operation. And it's that mindset. And sometimes if you marry that mindset with a pair of really colorful trainers, then have a little bit more fun. I, I love that. And for the U.S. audience, just, you know, trainers or tennis shoes. <laughs> yeah, sneakers. Sneakers. <laughs> hey, man, I've spent so much time in the U.S. I should not be using English colloquialism anymore. All right. Well, for the UK audience, I'm excited. So we're, we're, we're bridging some new gaps. I'm very excited. So I want to shift to um, our idea to venture section. And, and I want to hear about your big vision for touch surgery. You know, it sounds like you're really starting to scale. You have hundreds of thousands of downloads. Where, where do you see the future of touch surgery? So look, we uh, visage uh, really changing healthcare and improving patient outcome. And everything kind of draws down from that. You know, me and Andre both made our mothers cry when we were like, we're going to stop being full-time surgeons. And, for my, you know, I have, you know, that typical mother who was like, my son's a doctor, you know, my son's a surgeon. And then, you know, when I told her that, she's like, can I still tell my friends that you're a doctor and you're a surgeon? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, she really was upset. And, um, you know, her, her entire ethos, and I grew up in a family where you know, there's quite a few of us, and the entire ethos was like, you know, go out and do something good in the world. You should be really satisfied in your daily produce. You know, what, what, do you, what do you do out there in the world that you can come back home to and say, hey, I did, I did something good today. For us, we used to treat patients. And now the way that we see what we're doing with digital technology is we've picked up a different tool. And our aim is to really improve patient outcomes, but on a global scale. There are lots of different numbers that I can throw out that you hear, like, you know, 5 billion people don't have access to safe surgery, you know, healthcare, 
really needs some level of process which can significantly improve outcomes. One of the greatest innovations in surgery has been a preoperative checklist. So think about it, right? A simple checklist has really changed uh, morbidity and mortality outcomes just by checking that we've got the right patient in the operating room, they're checking that, you know, that we're going to do the right operation on this person. And so our vision really stems from can we improve patient outcomes uh, using technology? From a touch surgery point of view, right now, what a lot of your, your viewers and your guests, will, uh, your, um, your listeners will, will, will see is that you know, it's a mobile application that allows you to, to go through an operation step by step and learn it and measure yourself and establish competence and you know, claim a certificate from your institution. And we're working with Stanford and Hopkins and Harvard and NYU and, and a number of other institutions globally to start this certification process which allows this, you know, this surgeon to now practice a procedure, learn it, rehearse it, certify themselves for it. And if they forget it, two months down the line, they just do it again. And if they've got a patient they're going to do that day, they can just mentally rehearse that. And a lot of research has shown that that can improve patient outcome. And we've started getting research, and this has been done independently by different institutions from Stanford to Dartmouth to Imperial. We've got some publications out there that have shown that you can actually train someone the steps to an operation using touch surgery. And I, I, I kind of, you know, I love that because a lot of the times myself and Andre, forget about the critics, would ask ourselves, hey, can you really improve patient outcomes with an app? You know, so what? Touch surgery with an app. Can it really improve someone's actual operation? We have a, we've had a hypothesis. And uh, more recently, we've started to sleep even better at night because that hypothesis has started to be tested by, by, these, um, by these studies. And it started to really show that you can significantly you know, translate that, that knowledge into a surgeon's actual procedure. You can make that surgeon safer. And ultimately, you can help that surgeon be the best surgeon they want to be. That's, a, that's really amazing. And I, and I think it's, it's incredibly exciting, your vision. I think there's a lot of applications out there you know, that are kind of on the fringes of, of healthcare, but it sounds like at the core with the actual surgery and, and training aspect and stimulation and actually helping the physicians do safer, better procedures, ultimately the patient's going to benefit and that's super exciting. So I want to touch on an aspect that I think a lot of entrepreneurs are very scared of, which is failure. And I know you, you kind of shared a brief moment in New York about, you know, what are we doing? We're surgeons. Can, can you touch maybe on an aspect where, you know, you're building a company and things didn't go as well as planned or you had to pivot on your journey and kind of share maybe the lesson learned there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, right, I will never, ever hide this. We have made mistakes. We made a bunch of mistakes. Uh, and these can be sometimes simple mistakes and sometimes even more complicated mistakes, right? You know, we spent a bunch of time kind of thinking, let's just go and hire people with MBAs because we don't have an MBA, so we need someone with an MBA. That was a mistake. We, were, we spent a bunch of time listening to people who had no idea what they were talking about, but we thought they did because of the way that they sold themselves. We spent money in ways that we shouldn't have. We make mistakes. And the bottom line is, you know, we've got this, um, we're very fortunate to have a very awesome group of investors and uh, people who are close to the company now and have been really from day one of their investment. You know, they, you know, one, I I'll never forget what one of our, our lead partner said to me was like, hey, he was like, hey, Jean, you're going to make mistakes, but just make sure you ask the right questions and make sure you learn from them and make sure you admit them early and make sure that you react 
appropriately. And I guess, you know, for me and other entrepreneurs that are out there, people who are from, you know, the, who are making that transition and, and doing, you know, entrepreneurial activities and were previously purely, you know, physicians, you know, my, my advice is, hey, you're going to make mistakes, all right? And you're going to meet people and they're going to tell you they've got the world, but they don't. You're going to spend time doing things that you don't, you, you will find out you won't, you know, you shouldn't have to do. You'll spend a bunch of money trying to, you know, try and market things and then you find out, hang on, this was completely a waste of money. The main thing is that you are really, really, really attentive and you realize when you made a mistake and you admit it and you say to yourself, I've made a mistake here, uh, I need to correct this and I need to learn from it. I need to question why, I need to question what to do next. And I think people get into trouble when they don't do that. I think people kind of, you know, when they bury their heads and they think, hey, yeah, this is going to work, this is definitely going to work, this is definitely going to work, this is definitely going to work, and then just realize, oh shit, it hasn't worked. And, that mistake hasn't been, you know, temporary moment in time, but it's been something that's just become the, the ethos of what they're trying to do. Uh, you know, I think that's when you, you're really in trouble. So you're going to make mistakes, embrace them, learn from them, question them, uh, and don't be ignorant. That's, uh, that's really incredible advice. And I, I think uh, in healthcare, especially in medicine, you know, failure and, and, and mistakes are, are not generally that well uh, taken. But I think when you transition into the entrepreneurial world, you have to be open that, you know, it's about movement, it's about making decisions, and you're going to make mistakes on the way, and, and I think uh, your advice there is great. So I want to shift to kind of our last section, which is not our typical hospital rounds. These are business rounds. Can you share with us, Jean, the best advice somebody else has given you? There's so many different pieces of advice that people have given me. To sum them all up, really, uh, I guess, listen to everyone who's got advice for each. I spend a lot of my time listening. I spend a lot of time, my time uh, listening to advice, listening to seniors giving me advice, listening to um, even you know, everyone in our company giving us advice. You know, we have this policy where you know, anyone can say anything they want and anyone can say you know, anything they want openly. Right? We don't try and you know, mask things under subtle conversation. We're very open about whether we think something is good or awful. And so I guess, you know, one of the, the best pieces of advice I've had you know, throughout my life is just to listen. And by listening, I, mean, I don't mean just sit there and not say anything, you know. Listening is a really, it's not a passive process, it's a very active process. And so actively listen, I guess, would be, a, would be the best piece of advice that I've, I've had, but I, I can't really attribute that to a person. I think a lot, of, a lot of people have told me through that. That's really great. I think that's really awesome advice. So I want to shift kind of along those lines into, do you have any daily success habits or kind of a morning routine that you could share with us? Uh, no morning is the same. If any morning ever becomes the same, then you're doing something wrong. You know, we, uh, it may sound very chaotic by not having a routine, but I, um, I, I really don't try and have a routine. Uh, and I try and ensure that in general, I'm spending a lot of time with as many different people and uh, listening to many different people and engaging with a lot of the people that work at Touch the Labs to, to, uh, to really continue to drive you know, our thinking about things. You know, one of the things that you, will, you should learn very quickly is, and I've learned very quickly, is that everyone thinks when they've made something, it's the best thing out there, right? It's the greatest thing, that's it. It's solved the world's problems and uh, that's it, you know? I'm gonna build everything around this and you know, life is gonna become very much a, a specific journey with a routine around how I built this. And I guess from our point of view, we think we've made something that's very useful, but we think we've got like 
1% or 2% of the way there. Uh, and we, we think there's a, a bigger journey and we just never want to fall into a place where we are comfortable and we've got routine and that's it. Like things become mundane. Uh, for us, it's like, like, hey, we need to keep thinking, we need to keep you know, talking to people, we need to keep listening. And so I try actively not to have uh, a routine and I try actively to continue to think about what we're doing and to think about it from as many different directions as possible. Routine hasn't yet hasn't yet become part of the DNA of uh, of uh, tough surgery. I love that actually, and I think it's so different from kind of the surgical world and surgery routine where you're up at the crack of dawn, you know, uh, operating. I think that flexibility and creativity daily is uh, is really powerful. I want to go to our last question. What are some of the exciting healthcare trends that you're following? Maybe specifically, you know, from kind of the surgical education standpoint, and then maybe you know more broadly or, or globally things that you're you're excited about in healthcare. Yeah. Um, look, we are super excited about technology and healthcare. You know, we've done a huge amount of work in mobile, and we are, you know, like I said, we're completely pumped on mobile. And hey, it's still early days, and Moore's law has you know continued to show us how powerful these tiny computers now have become. But oh my, like from AR to AI to VR to robotics. We are playing with a lot of things in the lab right now. And uh, we've actually got a bit of a policy where there are multiple different projects happening um, at people's leisurely time. So, Gregor, what, what's awesome about the team is they are all really, really excited and passionate about healthcare and technology. And all of the, the guys who work at TX Labs have got a completely different background, from guys from game to guys from you know, AR to guys who've had... Uh, some AI, the guys who've been involved in hardware and robotics. And uh, they've all got things that they they are working on passionately within TS and, and building a product TS, but also projects that they kind of, you know, are, are driving in, the, in their own hobbies. And we're just pumped about all of the opportunities that this is going to have on impacting patient outcomes. You know, that, that overarching uh, goal to globally improve healthcare outcomes for patients. So... There are so many things happening right now in healthcare and healthcare technology that we're, we're gonna we read a lot about this space and we're we're excited to be a, a small part of it. That's so exciting, Dr. Jean Nemey. Thank you so much for joining us on the Modern MD. We're really excited about all your work that you're doing and your big vision to really impact patient outcomes with with surgical training. It was an honor to have you on the show. Hey, thank you very much, man. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern MD. Head to themodernmd.com to get links and recaps of every show and so much more. Dose up and like The Modern MD Facebook page.